This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. I just finished traveling Southeast Asia for 41 days, and I usually always get sick when I travel, and quite frankly, eating is difficult for me. It's hard to find a restaurant, and I'm spoiled in Austin with my personal chef. Well, I took these little packets with me this time, 30 of them, in my carry-on suitcase. They kept me totally healthy with 11 different secret ingredients. You can see them at nathanlacka.com forward slash juice. I'll tell you more later on in the show. That's nathanlacka.com forward slash juice. This is episode 655. Be sure to tune in bright and early tomorrow morning to listen to Peter. He breaks down how to win the virtual reality gaming space because he's doing it. He's raised $500,000 with his team of 12, and he's got his next release coming out soon this year. Good morning, everybody. Our guest this morning is David Barrett, and he started programming at the early age of six and has been aspiring to become an expense report and magnet ever since. He attended the University of Michigan, where he worked in the virtual reality lab before moving to Texas to write 3D graphics engines for the video game industry. Then he moved to California to join a name that is probably familiar to many of you in Travis Kalanick in building a peer-to-peer file transfer technology called Red Swoosh. That was Travis's first company, which was acquired by Akamai in 2007 for about, I believe that deal was about $15 million. In 2008, David left that company to start Expensify, where he is today, and has since been re, uh, really trying to figure out the world's frustrations one expense report at a time. David, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's do this. Who the heck from the age of six dreams about dealing with expense reports? Yeah, you know, uh, my brother and I would sit around with our receipts and dreaming about a day where we could take over. <laughs> no, 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 there's nothing like that. I would say initially, actually, uh, I had no interest in receipts and expense management whatsoever. Like, I'm not an accountant. I have no interest in accounting, things like this. But uh, after Red Swoosh, I wanted to start a company that solved a problem I'd personally experienced that I paid to have solved that uh could be sold directly to individuals because I just hated enterprise sales and that dealt with money. I figured that, you know, uh, the banks make a lot of money out of that. Why can't I? And so uh, I was doing a prepaid debit card idea that the banks were just totally not happy with because it's just too risky. And so uh-huh. I needed to just think, what is the lowest risk application for these prepaid debit cards I can possibly think of? Like, what is the most boring thing I can think of? I'm like, aha, expense reports. So literally, it was Expensify, the corporate card for the masses, just as a, a proof of concept for this prepaid technology I wanted to build. Mm-hmm. And the banks sort of like authorized this stuff. And so that's how I get pulled into this space was really as a Trojan horse to get through this risk department by being the dullest thing I could think about. And then when I got into this space, I realized, holy shit, this is such a good opportunity. There is so much uh, uh, room for disruption, and uh, there's just such an, a potent pain point, and it's, just, it's a great industry in so many ways. So. I think like most things, we just sort of fell into it, but I'm so glad that we did. And let me just kind of shape the platform that you jumped off of into Expensify before we talk more about, again, Expensify. So with with Red Swoosh, when you moved there, I mean, were you were one of the early folks there? Uh, the company had a complex history. It's sort of um, actually Travis's first company was a company called Scour. Scour is oh, okay. an early uh, file sharing network that got sued for, I think, a quarter of a trillion dollars. Uh, and, uh, and so as a result, that company went bust. And then they took their technology and sort of made Red Swoosh, but that was right before the whole dot-com crash. 
And so Travis sort of lingered with that company for years, actually, just sort of scraping together one customer at a time. Uh, and then by the time I joined, he'd already been in the company like six years or something, but he was the only guy. Uh, been sort of just barely kind of keeping it going. And then so I, he hired me. How did he convince uh, you to join? Um, Travis is a very charismatic guy and he had a great vision. And uh, and it was a great company. With, um, and so, yeah, he was right. Um, How do you I guess get that, that was right that's a great company. Like if you look at that, like this is pre-Uber Travis, right? If you're looking at this, you're going, here's a guy who he's been mulling along on this thing just himself for six years. I mean, is he just that charismatic? No, I mean, I think that the thing is, he was right. Um, it's not just about being charismatic, because that implies you can just cause people to march to their doom. No, I think that he was very articulate in having a clear vision, and uh, and there was a good business behind it. And uh, and yes, there were challenges like any business, but he was aware of those challenges and can communicate the solutions to them. And then ultimately, we executed in that plan, and it was a success. So yeah, I think that... Uh, it's not crazy. Uh, I mean, it worked. So were you uh, were you aligned with him from an equity perspective to give you equity when you joined, even though it was really yeah. an old company? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, it was great. No, everyone walked away from that uh, very happy. Got it. So, so what I'm getting at, it's fair to say you kind of generated your first real bump of cash that kind of gave you the ability to take the expensive eye risk from Red Swoosh. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's right. Now, to be clear, I mean, Swoosh wasn't a huge exit um, for. Uh, for anyone, it was uh, you know, million is right. By the way, right? That was publicly reported. Yeah, it's something. It's thereabouts. I mean, all okay. acquisition terms get sort of complicated, but it's something like that. Yep. And so, by modern standards, that's not seen as a big exit. But for someone who's just you know an individual, having that much money is a huge game changer for your life. And most importantly, it's enough to uh, give you the confidence in order to move on and start something bigger. And so, yeah, I think that. Uh, uh, whether it's me and Expensify, uh, Travis and Uber, I think that um, it certainly was a really important uh, step in both of our entrepreneurial paths. So take us forward now back to Expensify. What, what's your business model? How do you make money? So it's very straightforward. Uh, we charge $9 per active user per month. Good and sass. so we, it's, yeah, it's very simple. And so the way that the product itself works is it's a mobile app. Uh, you take a picture of your receipt. We will read all the information off the receipt automatically, so there's no typing involved. We will categorize it, code it, we'll send it to your accountant, we'll get everything perfectly organized for them, and then we'll get you paid back the very next day. So when you're in a business trip using Expensify, you buy your coffee, uh, you get your receipt, you take a picture of the receipt, you give the receipt back, you never put it in your pocket. If you're putting your receipt in your pocket, now you're just doing it wrong. And so you just walk away drinking your coffee, we take care of everything, and then the cash will be in your bank account usable tomorrow. Got it. Okay. Yep. That makes complete sense. It's super valuable. And so are these the $9 per month per user? So there's a company X that has a hundred employees. Is the company paying for each employee or about 900 bucks a month? Or is the employee kind of paying it themselves? No, no, no. It's always the company paying, except they pay for only the active users. About a third of the company will actually submit an expense report on a given month, but it'll be a different for a third every month. And so it's the sort of product that everybody uses some of the time, but only some people use all of the time. And that's why activity-based pricing works really well in this space. Yep. Okay. And, and you just have the one price point, nine bucks? Uh, we actually have two. There's five and nine. Um, the vast majority of our revenue and customers are on the $9 plan. Got it. Makes sense. And then take us back just so we have some historical data here. What year did you launch the company in? Uh, so I started working on Expense or what became Expensify immediately after the acquisition of Swoosh, just nights and weekends. And then I left the uh, Akamai in April. Uh, no, no. So in, we got acquired in 2007. Got it. Um, 
And then so uh, I left to Akamai in 2008 and started Expensify for real. Uh, and so I would say that the official start is probably 2008, but I've been working on it prior to that for a while. And then tell us more about kind of team today. How big are you guys? We're about 110 employees, I think. Um, we've got offices in San Francisco, Portland, uh, Michigan, uh, London, and Melbourne. And did you make the decision to, to bootstrap this or have you raised capital? Oh, no, we've raised capital. And so I started off... Um, uh, for a couple of years, it's out of savings. And then we raised, uh, I think a total of, I think maybe 25 million, but, um, which uh, might sound like a lot to some people, but it's actually nothing at all for most companies, especially companies of our scale. We've, um, been very much a break-even business for a long time. And so we choose, we grow primarily through revenue. Even with uh, the funding? Do, yeah. Yeah. Even then uh, it's like, I mean, $25 million doesn't go very far over the course of, you know, 10 years or eight years or how long it's been. So the vast majority of our growth has been self-financed. Um, and But we view fundraising as if there's an opportunity that comes along that's bigger than we can currently afford, uh, then we'll raise money. But we're not in the same mindset of raising money to survive. It's like we only raise money to grow. Yeah, no, it makes sense. But you said something interesting, though, David, that I want to go deeper on. So you said you're, you're, you are you break even even after the fundraising? Oh, yeah, we've been um, breaking in the whole time. So then it's fair to say, I mean, if you're not losing any cash per month, it's fair to say all this money that you've raised, it's basically just still sitting in the bank. Uh, well, we do have a bunch of money in the bank, but no, I would do, we raise it to spend it. So I guess I should clarify. Even for also, a cash um, basis. Yeah. And so like, we'll, um, uh, we'll raise money, like we host a conference every year, for example. Um, and so uh, the conference costs, you know, a bunch of money and more money than like we could afford just out of the uh, revenue itself. Got it. And so we'll, we'll, we'll do things like big initiatives. We have, um, uh, uh, or we'll do like some major tests for advertising or something like this. We'll spend like a couple million dollars and things like this. So I would say the business itself, uh, is break even, but we are always raising and spending on big experiments. Got it. Uh, and those experiments don't always work, but they're worth doing. Yeah. Thanks for letting me push there, David. Well, cause I, I would have been shocked. I'm like, wait, I've never heard of a company that's raised this much capital that is still at break even because your investors would be going, why the hell did you just take our money? Go spend it. What you're saying is <laughs> if you look at your core business, your fixed costs that you must have to run the business, your break even. Yeah. And then you yes, have variable right. expenses on experiments. That's correct. That's correct. Got it. Makes perfect sense. Okay. Um, wonderful. And then give us a sense of, of size. So how many, I don't know if you measure maybe companies using you or active yeah, yeah. seats. What do you care about? Well, I would say we've got about 25,000 companies that use Expensify. Um, and uh, that ranges everything from like Uber, Yahoo, um, uh, Atlassian, a bunch of public companies um, like Evernote. It's most of Silicon Valley, most of the, the, the unicorns or former, former unicorns all use Expensify. Uh -huh. um, but then, of course, there's just tens of thousands of smaller businesses you've never heard of. Uh, so we're used uh, worldwide. We get um, processed in like 160 currencies and we get uh, in companies all over the world. Um, and then in addition to our 25,000 businesses that use Expensify, we have millions of just individuals. Expensify is completely free for the individual. Just take a picture of the receipt. We'll sort of store it for you and you can do, you know, health savings accounts or, you know, um, reimburse your employer, your, uh, your um, like children for allowances, things like this. And so we yeah. have this millions of users that use us on a free basis, but then we have uh, thousands of businesses that use us on a paid basis. And if you look at the seats within those 25,000 businesses, about how many kind of active seats are you serving? I think it's about 10% of our user base is active on a monthly basis. I mean, we've got about 400 and, or sorry, 4.5 million users. So something along this. Okay. You said, you said about 20% of 4.5 million. Yeah. It's about 10% of uh, our 4.5 million is a paying business user. 
Got it. Got it. Got it. So can I, I mean, can I kind of back into your MRR by doing 45,000 times nine bucks? Uh, I would have to do the math. I'm not really a numbers guy, but I'm sure that you could probably figure something like that out. All right, great. Take us forward to some of the other stuff kind of critical to a SaaS business. So you've got a large enough customer cohort. I'm sure you're looking at things like like churn and lifetime value. Um, what is kind of monthly customer churn look like? Well, churn is complicated um, because churn, the whole concept of churn uh, is typically viewed as like company churn, like logo churn. And that implies that every company is equal value. And so losing one is about the same as losing another. Um, but churn gets really complicated when you have a huge range of customers. Everything you do revenue like in, churn, in, so ARPUD variations don't okay. matter. So then revenue churn is also complicated because we have negative revenue churn. Um, every customer, like every cohort pays us more today than they ever have. So that's a net um, negative. You have net negative. What about gross? Yeah, and so uh, gross revenue churn um, is also complicated because it's super frothy. Uh, people will disappear and come back. And oh, so it's the challenge it. for like the whole the whole concept of churn, I think, is, uh, is a complicated one because when you boil down, it's like, so why do people care about churn? Well, it's because they care about lifetime value and they care about lifetime value because they want to figure out the payback period of the advertising. Yep. But we don't advertise. Uh, we're hundred percent organic. Uh, there's no advertisement whatsoever. Uh, and so things like churn was like these numbers, which seem so absolutely critical to your business. They actually just don't really matter. Um, to us at least because they don't actually, uh, influence any of the decisions that we make because it's all inbound. We don't do any outbound calling whatsoever. It's 100% organic. There's no advertising. It's all word of mouth. So when you kind of have these kinds of conversations, uh, I'm going to be devil's advocate for a second. Um, when you're sure. doing, by the way, did you do the 25 million the last round? Was that, I, I imagine, probably Series B? Uh, we've done a few different rounds. We started off, it was like the first was a, a million dollar round in 2008, I think it was, maybe 2009. Then I think we did like six. And then I think we did like 15 or something like that. I okay. can't really do the math. So, and so well, but, but we haven't the, raised in years. Yeah. I, uh, what I was building towards is whatever the last round of funding was, I imagine there was a point where those investors said, hey, like, hey, David, how do you plan to spend this money? Um, it, and, and I imagine, I mean, usually the answer you hear from SaaS CEOs is something related to CAC and LTV. Uh, you've kind of gone around that. And it's great because it, most of it's organic, which is a wonderful thing. So how do you answer that question when, when, mm. a, when, a, when a VC asks it? That's a great question, and that's why I don't raise. I just so I just don't have the conversation. Um, I we I, I'm not talking with investors now. I wasn't talking with investors for years before we did the last round, and it's only because uh, Blake Bartlett of OpenView uh -huh. uh, just believed so much in our model. And I would say I literally just stopped talking to investors because I just got sick of having those conversations. So he just didn't give a, like, he just didn't give a shit. He just said, "I like you. The, the numbers look good. Uh, I don't care about what your LTV to CAC ratio is." Well, yeah, because he saw it, it's like, oh, that's not relevant to your business model. Uh, your business model is an organic, uh, viral. Um, we like because the first person to sign up in the company is actually not the decision maker; it's like the janitor. And then we have this whole model built of individual employees will install the mobile app for free, and then because every time they submit an expense report, it's a zero marginal cost to their decision maker through them. It's an endorsement from the employee. Yeah. So it's a really radical business model. It's up. totally different. Yeah, exactly. And that bottom-up model works incredibly well, but it doesn't consume cash. And so I think that the vast majority of uh, investors are looking just like, look, I just want another mini Salesforce. Um, but we're just not that. We're something totally different. Yeah, and yeah. 
they're looking for the open view. They're looking for your your pro. Yeah, Yeah. they're they're like looking for like your pro forma per sales person ramp up time average contract value blah blah blah. And you're saying no, we've got a land expand approach. Starts with a free user, starts with the janitor. They send the expense report to the decision maker. Before you know, the decision maker thought that process was so easy. They then tell the whole team to get on it, and boom, you're done. Yeah, that's right. Like we don't have any commission salespeople, and so that like that screws up everyone's models as well. And so. All of the key parts of a classic enterprise sales model just don't exist here. Now, we clearly have employees that will help you onboard, but it's activity-based pricing, 90% of our revenues on a credit card, which means that the only way we get paid is after you've already fully deployed your entire company. So we don't make any money until after the deployment's already occurred. And so our, actually, our primary revenue generator is our support team. Uh, the vast majority of our uh, revenue comes after you've interacted once or twice with our support team but almost never with like a salesperson going through a demo and things like that. How did you decide, because this is critical for people that price on a usage-based model, which I believe is the future because it basically throws the idea of churn really up the window. Churn doesn't matter if you get the right activation metric um, and you know they're going to be sticky. How did you decide mm-hmm. what that number was for you? You know, one expense oh, that's report funny. per so day pricing is so hard. blah, blah, blah. Uh, pricing is so hard. Um, and uh, I would say it's t- t- total guesswork and I'd say it's something we're still working on. Um, Literally, the, initially, we didn't charge, or the number one barrier to adoption was that we didn't charge. Um, because like, when we think back you know, years, we'd raise money, we're just a couple of people, we don't spend money on anything, everything just grows. Um, and so like, why would we start trying to optimize a business model at that time? We didn't like care, except people would say, look, I would love to use you, but you're free, and that creeps me out, because you're just going to disappear, are you just stealing my information, what's your business model, and things like that. So we're like, okay, we need to do something that sounds reasonable. But we have no interest in optimizing it right now. So we're just like, I don't know, how does uh, six bucks a month sound? And it's like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And just by inventing a price out of nowhere, uh, people were like, cool, now I'm going to start buying it because I've, the existence of that price makes me more comfortable. And we're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should have thought about that price a bit more before we started it. And then so later we just uh, added another plan. We're like, I don't know, maybe this other one's going to be like $9 or something. Um, and really, I would say the industry has shifted to follow our pricing, which is pretty hilarious because we put no thought into that what that pricing is. What do you mean um, the industry has followed your, your model? Oh, all of our competition is, is priced to us. Um, what you mean conceptually? They're, they're focused on activity-based pricing? Or no, they actually just said, let's do six bucks a month. Well, no, there are, uh, uh, all the new startups have just modeled our business plan, uh, or rather the pricing portions of it. They missed the most important parts, which is actually the business, the, the lead generation component. But they'll charge on an activity-based pricing just like ours, our same price. Even someone like Concur, um, though they'll do a contract, the the construction of the contract is based around how much activity is planned, and it comes out around the same place. And so, yeah, it's pretty weird. It's like the industry is consolidated on what our price is, but we've not really done it in a very sophisticated fashion because our focus, honestly, has been much more on mastering the dynamic of bottom-up adoption. That's where all of our attention has been. That's where all our differentiation is. Um, so we think the price, candidly, I view our entire space is vastly underpriced. Like the idea that you can get full expense management with mobile apps, all this automation for nine bucks, nine bucks for active and a 30 year company's active. It's really like three bucks for head. That's like a Big Mac per employee. That's nothing. And yeah. so I think that uh, realistically, our pricing should be much, much higher, like probably something like 10x where it currently is. I mean, people charge 150 bucks on average for Salesforce per head. And so I think that the end, when, when we talk to our customers, it's like, hey, what other uh, services are similar to us? So like, oh, you're really similar to Salesforce. It's like, okay, 
but you pay more than 10x for Salesforce per head than you would for us, probably like 50x on a sort of overall so, basis. So, D- D- David, you're, com- you're, you're complaining about this, but you have full control of this. Why don't you 10x your pricing? Um, oh, we will. Um, but I would say it's not the sort of thing that you do all at once, and you have to justify that. And so I'd say um, it actually is pretty helpful uh, given that we're the only business in, uh, around that can operate in these incredibly lean margins, uh, that um, to because we don't need the money, we're focused on something else. Uh, it's like about dominating the space and maintaining an incredibly low price right now for the industry actually helps keep the competition out. Makes and so sense. yes, there will become. There will come a time where that's the most important thing, but it's just not right now. Yeah. Going back real quick, because you just mentioned it kind of in passing, you said that, uh, your competitors missed the most important part of your pricing, which is the lead generation aspect. Um, to people listening, that may conflict with something you said earlier, which is you spend no money on on acquisition, um, and you don't. It sounds like once you kind of land the janitor. How do you get the janitor, though? How's that first kind of the person in a company find Expensify? It is literally all word of mouth. Um, and I would say our focus... When we talk about lead generation, it's not paid lead generation. It's organic lead generation. It still takes work, and it takes building a product and a brand. It's like yeah, everything from our branding is expense reports that don't suck. This is not a message that is targeted to an accountant. This is very much a message that's targeted to the janitor um, or the salesperson, whoever's on the road and things like this. And so I would say all of our emphasis is on uh, building a product and a brand that generates incredibly strong word of mouth. Like um, I think our 16 top Google keywords uh, all involve expensifying the name. Uh, like only like 0.1% of our traffic is actually people searching for SEO keywords. It's so all you're doing, people searching you're doing a lot for of SEO. by name. You're doing a lot of SEO related stuff then as well. No, no, no. I, uh, quite the opposite. I would say SEO relates to maybe 0.1% of our traffic. We don't bother with it at all because there's, there's no numbers there. Just people aren't searching for expense reports. Um, they're Wait, searching so, for David, Expensify. I, I didn't follow you then when you said that. So you're saying people just type in directly Expensify, which is a signal to you that they heard about it at a backyard barbecue and they're just going and directly looking you up. Correct. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I would say um, like 99% of our traffic is people searching for us. Yep. Got it. Makes good sense. Hey, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, God. Actually, I hate all business books. But oh. if I was to pick one, I would say Innovator's Dilemma. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I guess it had to be Travis. Yeah. Uh, the guy's a genius. <laughs> no, no, number, uh, number three, is there a favorite online tool you've got besides your own? Um, I guess I would have to go with just you know, a boring answer, but uh, G Suite. Yep. It's amazing. Google Apps. Number, uh, number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? <laughs> I would say between six and eight. Oh, no, actually, not horrible. And what's your situation? Married, single? Do you have kids? Uh, I am married with kids, and so I have a two-year-old daughter, and you might have heard her in the background. Oh, my God. Just one? Uh, just the one. Wow. I think the one's quite a handful. Yeah, that's and a impre- dog. That's impressive. Oh, young, young, young daughter, six hours of sleep, uh, running a startup. That's actually, I would say, marginally higher than most people I talk about who are that same cohort. <laughs> and how <laughs> well, are you, David? I am 40 years old. All right. Last question. Take us back 20 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I, I, I wish I had dropped out of college. I think that formalized education is the biggest scam that we're facing right now. And I just am horrified by it. And I'm so glad that 
I didn't get trapped in the massive debt cycle that everyone else does. There you guys have it from David, CEO and founder of Expensify. They've raised 25 million bucks, have over 100 folks on their team, again, focused on making expense reports that don't suck. Got his initial platform to kind of launch this idea from his work at Red Swoosh with Travis, now the CEO of Uber. They exited that for around 15-ish million bucks. Again, now focused on building Expensify, where, again, they don't really focus much on, on you know, the traditional unit economics like CAC and LTV. Rather, they're just building on, focused on building a viral product where you get the janitor and the janitor ends up getting the whole team on board have 4.5 million users 10 percent of which are paying on average about nine percent per active seat david thank you for taking us to the top it's been a real pleasure thank you if you enjoyed david today go back and listen to dale yesterday he made a hundred grand when he was 19 years old and many of you young ones listening you can copy him now he's made over 1.2 million from 16 best-selling books and he's got a new app on the way It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners. But boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google Ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money. HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. So guys, I'm so glad to be back in Austin. I just got back from a major tour of Southeast Asia, went to Sydney, Bangkok, Bali, and Japan. And you know, I always get sick when I travel. And this particular trip, my gosh, 15 different airports, 20 different hotels. I mean, imagine flushing in airport bathrooms. I was worried about germs and getting all the nutrition I need. I mean, finding a restaurant in Japan, difficult because nothing's in English. So it was hard enough to figure out the train system. But my point is, I had a guy named Drew Canoli on the show who said, Nathan, if you're concerned about that, take these little green packets with you. You just mix them once per day with water. They'll keep you super healthy. You get all your nutrients and they'll keep you from getting sick. So I took them and guys, they worked unbelievably well. I got no sickness, just mixed them with water once per day. They didn't make my water bottles all sticky. That's like nice. A lot of these mixers, they make them sticky. It was very clean and smooth. Took them once per day, never got sick. So they've got 11 superfoods and they're perfect if you're not traveling, but you're just on the go from your office to work. So you can check them out at NathanLatka.com forward slash juice. That's NathanLatka.com forward slash juice.